Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1234 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. We are going to head straight off to our River Cree Resort and Casino hotline, and we are pleased to be joined uh, by a guy who's... Uh, it's probably had a little bit better days, but Louis DeBrus joins us right now from Boston. Louis, you, you know what? You're a good man. You could have pulled a shoot today, but uh, <laughs> you're stepping up and you're doing your hit on Oilers now. How you doing? Doing okay, bud. You know what? It was uh, a tough pill to swallow last night. No question about that. It was heartbreaking watching those guys. You know, with the journey that they've had to get to the Stanley Cup final to lose the way they did, uh, I'm not going to lie. It was... Uh, a real tough pill to swallow and still probably hasn't quite hit home totally today for, for me and the family and I'm sure for the guys even more so it's going to sting for a long, long time probably forever um, when you get to a game seven like that and have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. But you know what? I mean, I sat there and I watched the St. Louis Blues hoist that cup and skate around and you know to watch Jay Bolmeister lift that Stanley Cup after playing more than a thousand games in the league. Um you know, really kind of put it in place for me to understand that every single one of these players that was in that final has a journey. They have families, they have friends, they have people that are rooting for them, just like we're rooting for our son. And it's a special moment, and you don't want to take away from that because it's it's the game, and you want to have. I, I've always wanted to have the integrity of the game and, and say, you know what, this is what it's all about. I watch every single year and. It almost brings me to tears every single year watching guys place that Stanley Cup because it's it's just such a monumental effort from that team and that organization to get there and win it. And uh, I'm just I'm proud of my son and I'm proud of this team. They had an opportunity to be in that final dance. They went right to Game Seven, and you know what? Um, it was an amazing atmosphere to watch. I wish it would have gone another way. I'm not gonna lie. I would have liked to see the yeah. home team win that last night. But at the same time, I appreciate what it was and. Uh, I think they'll learn from this. I really do. You know, it's hard to see my son at the end of the game. because. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. He was pretty broken up, but you know what? He'll learn from this. He's young, and I still think they have a great team, and they have an opportunity to, to get back there again. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Louis. We've had this discussion so many times. You lose a series in four or four or five games, you, you generally speaking, got beaten the series. When you win or lose a series in six or seven, I think, you know, there's some bounces and some breaks along the way. Uh, the one thing that was really interesting to me was, you know, St. Louis was really good five-on-five, five, and Boston oh. Boston was the better team with the special teams. I mean, yeah. that stayed all the way through the series, didn't it? Didn't change. You know, they really were. And, 
And listen, I, I have to admit, I, I really like Boston's start last night. They came out of the gates in the first period, and I'm like, I was sitting in the chair going, this is exactly how they have to play. They, they have to push the issue. They have to be the aggressor. I think they outshot them 12-4 to in that first period, and we're down 2 nothing. And, I, you know, you look at that and you say, wow, that's just probably not the result they were looking for after a first period like that. And then the Blues are a stingy team. When they get up, they're unbelievable at closing things down. They have been all playoff long and all season long since the change, and they've started to play the way that they could. That's the type of game that they've been playing. So, again, you know what? It was uh, it was hard to watch. I'm not going to lie. I was one of the hardest hockey games I've ever had to watch in my life to sit there and watch that unfold. But uh, the hardest one. Yeah. And uh, you know what? Um I'm still proud of my kid and I'm proud of his team. You know what, as a parent, you you only wish the best for your children. And, I, you know, it was hard to watch him have to go through that. But at the same time, I was proud of him because of what he did throughout those playoffs and throughout this season. And, and you got to move forward. I mean, it's going to be really tough for them to do that. They're going to take some time. and It'll never heal. That's a wound that will be there for the rest of their life, I believe. But, you know what, learn from it and understand how difficult that trophy is to win. There was a couple moments, Louis, last night. So after, the, you know, as the Boston players left the ice... Patrice Bergeron uh, stayed uh, at the side of the bench and tapped every guy that left. And I just, yeah. if, is there any way to, you had Zidane Chara playing with a broken jaw and you had Bergeron, like just the leadership yeah. that the Bruins have with those two guys. They really are. And, you know, it's, and I think that's probably why this one's going to hurt even more is because it was such a tight team. Yeah. And I really do believe that. I know just from what Jake has told me, the way those guys, the way those guys represent, just the way they they talk in the room, the way they prepare, uh, the mentality they approach every game with, um, the standard that they set by being leaders themselves, it's it's a really high standard. And, and you know what? I saw Patrice when he came out and met his family afterwards. The look in his face and it all to me, he's heartbroken. You know, this guy's a warrior. He's a champion. He's won. On the biggest stages in, in, in hockey, he's won. And he was devastated. And uh, it's hard to see. i got to tell you, man, that's really hard to see. And it's uh, every single year that I watch it on TV, I sit there and I watch that final and I look at it and I'm so happy for the guys that won it. Yeah. And I'm devastated for the guys that lost it. Only because I played and I played with guys that never won and I never won one. I know guys that have. And I just know how difficult it is to win that Stanley Cup. It's like, it's that's what everybody strives for. From a kid growing up playing hockey, this is what you want to do. And when you have that opportunity, it's raise your fingertips. It even stings more. But, yeah, you know what? It's an amazing leadership group. I, I can't say enough about it. And I, I, that's why I do believe, and I don't just say this, I do believe that this team's going to be better next year. Yeah. I really believe the Bruins will be a better team next year. When I look at it, they have some young talent that's very good that's going to learn from this. And the veteran players, yes, they're aging. I understand that. And they were all playing banged up. Everybody's banged up in the finals. Yeah. But they're going to be better next year because of that. And they'll have that bitter taste in their mouth. And, you know, for selfishly, I hope they bring that to the table each and every night. Louie, we had conversations in the middle of December just before the roster freeze. And I'm, I remember telling you, like, hey, man, they are in on Maroon and Bowmeister, and Bowmeister's trying to come back with a you know busted hip and – there's a chance this thing might happen, and, you know, we're talking about maybe a second-round pick and maybe a current roster player, like, you know, it's whether or not Army's going to pull the trigger here. Like, there's yeah. something. Like Everybody we, was, everybody's was, was on the block. Right. Like, I, I had a conversation with Colton Pareko, and 
said, you know, did you hear that noise? Like, did you understand that your name was getting floated around out there? This yep. is a six foot six monster on defense. Yeah. And I'm like, and he goes, oh yeah. He goes, everybody heard it. He yeah. goes, we were in a in such a state with this team. Braden Chen thought that he was getting traded. Braden yeah. Chen thought he was gone for sure. Ryan O'Reilly had come in and taken over that number one center position. But you know what? I I honestly, and I've told you this before, and this was the hardest hardest pill to swallow for me was. I really like the St. Louis Blues team. I covered them in the first round, and yeah. I got to know some of the guys, and I got to, to watch them kind of play and talk to them on a daily basis. And they're just a great bunch of guys. So to, if it was any other team they were playing <laughs> for the Blues, to be honest with you. But I, uh, I didn't want them to beat the Bruins, for sure. But uh, you know what? Watching those guys skeet around out there, um, Doug Armstrong a lot of credit. He kept it intact. He, he kept it together. And I'll tell you what, it absolutely worked okay. out for him because they have a great veteran core there. So they had a general manager that believed in their team. And it's a team yep. he assembled. And he basically yep. doubled down. He got lucky. I mean, they got lucky on Bennington. He wasn't even supposed to be the guy they <laughs> called up. I mean, the guy was ready to, you know, he was ready to cash yeah. his chips in and move on in his life because he wasn't getting any traction in that organization. Arguably, he could have won the Conn Smythe, too. Yes, I mean, he if could've. you were looking at the two Conn Smythe, it yeah. could have been O'Reilly or him, and I think O'Reilly edged him, only because of Bennington's losses, in my opinion. Yeah. It, it, because he lost when he lost, he lost big a few times. So, you know, that's just, you know, the way he did, but he always responded. I mean, I if they would have handed that trophy to Jordan Banks, then I would have had no problem with it. I was like, you know, that guy was outstanding. Yeah. So, yeah, they got lucky with him, no question. But the point, like, the, the GM reinforced the belief in the team. Can you pick up, like, can as a player, can you tell when management doesn't believe in your team? 100%. I think you understand when you start, well, here's the thing. There's no question they were fragile when they made the coaching change. Yep. When there was talk about players being traded, that that dressing room was fragile. That dressing room um, was in shambles because they had no idea who was going to be there from day to day and who they were going to move. There were some big names being mentioned moving. Jaden Schwartz, who's been a... Like, I mean, yeah, team, players that any teams would love to have. Like, that there was no question he could have found takers for those players. Like, it was... But... So he starts to open doors and he starts to knock on doors and look and see what can be done. And then eventually they come to decide to say, listen, let's just ride this out. That's a veteran team over there. I mean, I I looked at that team and you look at the guys that are in there. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly, who won the Conn Smythe Trophy, it's his 10th year in the league and he had 13 playoff games before playing in these playoffs. He he had 13 in the nine previous years. And he played 26 games this year and won the Conn Smythe. I mean, that to me, like, you got to take your hat off to a guy like that. You know, it's, it's hard. It's, it, like I said, it's, it, it, personally, it's a tough pill to swallow. But from an analyst, when I look at that team, they had a ton of great guys in that room. And they were playing for one another. And what I think, getting back to your question, you know when a general manager doesn't believe in you. But when he decided not to pull the trigger on those yeah. deals and keep that team together, yeah. look what they did. They started to play playoff hockey in January. I think people are smart enough to read between the lines of what I'm inferring. So, yeah, uh, no, absolutely. You got and they and, and they just and, and they just and they absolutely uh, took off and it, they, it worked for them. They stayed in the fight. They and, stayed in the fight. Yeah, different team though. If you're going to compare this to the Edmonton Oilers, right? No, different team. Like, like, hey, they missed the playoffs by one point. In theory, they everybody yeah. thought they were going to take a big step forward. That they could have won the Central Division. 
And they, but I understand what you're saying as far as the philosophy, yeah. and I think it's really important. Yeah. I do. I, I understand where you're going with the philosophy of it all, and I do believe in that. And I look at Ken Holland, who they brought in. Yep. He kind of fits that philosophy. Does not four, Dave four, four is coaches, a guy that works with people and makes them better. Four coaches, so twenty-two years in Detroit for for you know for Ken Holland. Like you know, there's oh. we got to settle everything down. And God, you know what? Sometimes it ain't gonna go. You gotta ride when it's going not so good. And fan, like the fans, yeah. you know. And we ride the emotional scale on radio on radio sports shows. Yeah. You know that comes with the territory. Well, but you can't run your teams that way. You've got to well, sit. The, here's the word. Here's the word. And you know what? Both of these teams that were in the final had a ton of it. Stability. And Holland said that multiple times. That's the word. Stability. You have to have stability in all facets. Yeah. And Stability, it, it, it breeds confidence. It does. Yeah. You know what? When you when you have a faith in your stability, you know you can kind of bend but not break. You trust in one another. It builds confidence, and that builds forward momentum. And that's that's the only way you can do it. And you know, you hope that Edmonton can uh, can put that together because they certainly have some amazing pieces to build around. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? Uh, Boston's got some depth, and part of that dra- d- uh, depth comes from some of the work that Keith Gretzky's done. Uh, you know, they've got... Yeah, I'm happy to see him stay on board, too. I really am. Yeah. I, was, I was concerned about that, not knowing what was going to happen with Keith, but I think he's a great hockey mind. I think he's a guy that has worked really hard for what he's achieved in the game. He has a good eye for talent, too. Young guys coming up. He has. He, he works hard. He's in buildings. He's yep. watching games. He's been in every capacity, really. And I just, I'm, I'm happy to get on board because I think he's going to help. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to switch focus a bit. You, you talked about the leadership of Char and Bergeron. Andrew Ferentz got paid a little extra, and he got extra term because there was the perception that he was a leader. And you know what? When you're the third or fourth leader on a team like Boston or the fifth and sixth leader, everybody benefits when you have those guys at the top of the food chain. Milan Lucic was a hell of a player for Boston. Uh, he got a little extra because, you know, hey, he played on a winner, uh, winning team, winning organization. Leader. But I'm going to bring you to Milan Lucic because yep. there's been rumors about James Neal and rumors about Louis Erickson. Yep, so, Louis DeBrusque, in your opinion, if the Oilers theoretically were to move Lucic, would it be better he goes to Calgary for James Neal <laughs> or go to Vancouver for Louis Erickson? <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I don't want him in any one of those cities if I'm the Edmonton Oilers. But that's just me because of the way that he plays and, and how physical and, you know, obviously he's going to be pretty motivated playing against his old team. But if you're saying... I don't think it really matters. You know, I, I mean, I think they're both the same. They're both in the division. They're both rivals. And I guess maybe Vancouver's a little further away. So you say, let's put them there just because, listen, this guy can be a force. If it does indeed happen, um, you know, he's had a tough couple of years. He really has. And, you know, James Neal had a tough year this year in Calgary. I think that there's an upside still there with James Neal. I really do. I think it was an off year. He's played a ton of hockey. He's been injured. He's had to go through some real physical problems that he's had to deal with over the last few years and he's played through some of that and it finally caught up to him but I do believe with his work ethic that there will be a, a bounce back season you know for, for James Neal I really do Louis Erickson to me I think is it at the end of the road for him yeah that's my personal opinion I think he's still a serviceable guy but he's nowhere near the guy that was scoring 30 goals and and being that two-way player that he was I just don't think he's quick enough anymore to be that player but I think James Neal is still a scorer. And then, you know what, that scoring um, is something okay. that the Oilers certainly are lacking from the forward position. So 
um, in the depth. And that's if he were going to make the move, that would be the one that I would want to make. So he's going to go to Calgary if he goes there. But like I said, I don't want to see him go to either one of those those teams if I was the other. So you believe he's going to have to play him. Like he's, there's no question he's been a cooler in the sense that the amount of cheap stuff that happens to the top-end guys has been absolutely mitigated the last three years since he's been here. There's yeah. no way, and I know there's less of that in the NHL than ever before. Oh, Stoffer, you're a Neanderthal for thinking that way. Uh, you're oh, an idiot. For, oh, what, a, what an old blowhard you are because you think Lucic actually impacts the game. Louie, you're down on ice level. Yeah. Does he or does he, does. he not? settle games down he does he settles games down there's no question those guys know when he's on the ice and every once in a while when he you know throws somebody around like he did a couple of times this year and gets angry it just kind of sets the message again that listen play nice and you won't have a problem with me but if you don't play nice then you're going to have a problem with me and uh listen i'll tell you when your game's not the way it should be and for a guy like luke he wants to be a player first and foremost, and we all do. Any tough guy, any physical guy wants to play the game and be a player first. But when your game's not up to the caliber that it should be and your confidence starts to suffer in your game, it also suffers in it also suffers in the physical side of it too. And your mind can't be in that state if you want to do that job well. Take it from someone who knows. When you're when you're mentally not ready, you're in trouble that's when you're going to get hurt. So, you know, for Lucic, for me, he needs to get that confidence back and that mentality in the right direction, and then all of that will come together for him. If he has any left in his head and he really wants to do that, then then he can make that work. But the mind has to be right in that regard. Um, but, yeah, you know what? There's no question, I believe, he still has an impact in games and he still has a reputation, and the guys on the other side still know when Milan Lucic is on the ice. You were, in, you were in Calgary that first game of the year, second last game Todd McClellan coached, and the Oilers got up the, the day after they traded Strom. They got up 2 nothing in that game. They ran out of steam, and uh, that, you know, dry settle. Some would say slew-footed Kachuk. Some would say Kachuk was trying to sell it a bit. Kachuk later dogpiled McDavid once yep. when he was already tied up with Backlund. Then at the end of the game, he face-washed or face-raked uh, McDavid. And then Lucic got a hold of him on the ice and had the old thumb on the Adams apple well, routine. Don't forget the huge hit Lucic laid on Giordano. That's the hardest mark Giordano has hit maybe in his NHL career. Yeah. yeah Luc- he crushed him with a huge hit in that game. The first hit thrown by Bennett on Nurse. Yeah, but then it was Lucic that steamrolled Giordano. I was so amazing that Giordano jumped up and played the rest of that game because I thought he was going to be hurt after that hit. I thought there's no question he wasn't going to come back from that type of a hit. Listen, it didn't happen enough, Bob. I'll be the first one to say that. I thought that you know that should have been brought out more with Lucic. He needs to do that more in games, and he needs to ratchet up that physicality and even the nastiness at times. And again, that goes back to what I was saying. Um, that sometimes can empower the the opposite side of your game. Your offensive and skating game can make you feel confident in your physical game, but your physical game can also make you feel very confident in the other aspects of your game. And you got to find that happy medium. And sometimes it's the physicality. you got to go back to the basics, back to being nasty, and you know get your hands dirty a little bit in games. And It's a tough job for, for Lucci's to find fights in the NHL, but there were some games where I just didn't feel he was engaging enough. You know, he wasn't engaging enough, and you know what? I had that same criticism towards me at times, so I understand that. You, you have to take in and you have to find ways to be physically involved in games when you're a guy as big and strong as him, and you just can't go away quietly. And 
you know, I think that can be a real impact in game. Uh, I don't know if he said anything. I just remember after he let up Kachuk, and he said something on the ice to Kachuk. I know that. I remember him skating off, and he just kind of stared at the Calgary bench. And the next, yeah, you telling me that you don't think those guys looked at him and said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, I don't want to go near that guy with a ten foot." I know I wouldn't. And then the next looked, game between the two teams was the quietest game between Edmonton and Calgary in the last ten years. One nothing win, and it was quiet. Nothing happened on the ice all game. Yep, and uh, you can't tell me that. So they went out there and they did that, but they knew there was going to be a pushback, and there was. Peluso fought Lucic. You know, it was. You know, he went looking for him and he found him. Yeah, and. You know what? It was just a, a different tone of the game because now they've opened up that can of worms, and uh, as they should have. I don't. I don't blame them for doing it. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I, it made the game exciting, and that's the way they have to play it. Yeah. And, um, but but again, you can't wait for teams to do that. You have to be the one that goes out there and initiates that. And I think Edmonton had the type of team to do that. They just got away from it. All they right. Really believe they did. Final question for you, Louis. So we know, like, Boston's got a lot of young players. They've got some good American players. By the way, St. Louis had 20 Canadians. St. Louis, January 3rd, we're in last place. Does this officially Unbelievable. Does this now officially mean anybody can win it? Uh, <laughs> that we can't read too much into the first three months of the season? Yeah, you know what? What a remarkable turn. I still shake my head when I think about that. I think about where they came from and what their team was looking like and the fact that they're hoisting the Stanley Cup right now. Yeah, I do believe that's what the NHL is now. I think that, you know, the, the Washington Capitals a year before were down 2 nothing and went to overtime in Game 3 of the first round. It could have been out of the playoffs. But they ended up surviving and won the Stanley Cup. Um, I think gone are the days of these dynasties. I think gone are the days where you're you're seeing a team that just dominates year after year because it's such a long, grueling season with teams that are that much closer matched that there's going to be wear and tear and there's going to be a goaltender that stands on his head and it's just it's going to be much more difficult. You know, Pittsburgh winning back to back, it's taken its toll on them. I think you can see it in their play; it's taken its toll on them. And I don't know if we're going to see that for a while happening just because of how how grueling the season and playoffs are. But that's what the NHL wanted. This is, I think this is the best. I've always said, you know, you know, aside from this year again, going into the finals, I like seeing new Stanley Cup winners. I do. I like seeing franchises win their first Stanley Cup. I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing. I obviously would have loved to see the Bruins win another one this year. There's no question about that. But I like to see the Cinderella story win because it usually doesn't. Um, so, you know, i got to take my hat off to the Blues. They were in last place in January, and they found a way to claw and scratch all the way to the Stanley Cup. I honestly don't know in the history of the game if there's been a monumental comeback like that from, a, from an organization, to be honest with you, and they finished it off. Louie, thanks for gutting one out today. You did a great job of explaining the situation, and I think you just scored a whole bunch of more fans for, uh, uh, you know, the respect you gave the St. Louis guys. Obviously, the Evans, you, I mean, you know Colton Pareko and Jay Bomeister particularly well from Specs Tournament. So, awesome stuff. Thanks for your time, Louie. All right? All right, Bob. Take care, man. Take care. That is Louis DeBrusque. It is 12.56 in Edmonton. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie, excuse me, tell Maggie and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. We'll go off to a global news weather traffic update with 
the one and only, the mega the mega talented Cassandra Jodan. And then when we come back, Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.